Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. And I trust that as you listen to these messages, that God will teach you more and more how to overcome, period. The Bible says that he, uh, at Calvary, he spoiled principalities and powers, making an open show of them, triumphing over them at the cross. He says that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us and that we always triumph in Jesus' name. So praise the Lord. Well, tonight's message or today's message, if you're listening in the daytime or you're listening at nighttime, it's called Brokenhearted, Battered, Bruised, and Feeling Worthless. I know many of you probably feel that way, and I trust that God's going to use this message to encourage you that God has a plan and that he does all things in his time, and he wants to set us free and deliver us. And um, you can you can email me at Jerry McGee. And that's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net. And today is April the 2nd, 2019. Sometimes if somebody listens to this message 10 years from now and then they wonder about a meeting we're having, they might get mixed up. So I think I should start giving the dates, and I hope I will remember to do that. If you can write us at Abiding Life Ministries, Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas, 75771. And we're on the first and the third Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time or 6 to 7 p.m. Usually we're through in an hour, 6 p.m. Central Time. And so let me pray and then... Um, we will share the message that God has. Father, I just come to you in the name of Jesus and thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. Lord, we ask today, tonight, whoever is listening, Lord, would they have their lives touched? Lord, we ask you to move with your mighty Holy Spirit upon every life. Let your glory rest upon each person. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, Christ in me, my hope of glory, I ask you, Lord, to flow out of me out into every person who's listening in, Lord, with your healing power, your delivering power, and, Lord, with the truth that sets free. Lord, I ask that I might be a tree of life, that rivers of living water come forth from my innermost being. And, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to cover each listener with the blood of Jesus. And I thank you that I've been raised to sit with you, Lord, in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. So I bind you, Satan, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, Wicked spirits in the heavenly places, I bind you in the heavenly places and on this earth, forbid you to work with, communicate with, make contact with anyone on this earth or in the heavenly places to work divination against us or anyone that's listening in Jesus' name. 
In the name of Jesus, I bind and break every word of death, word of iniquity, curse, assignment, satanic ritual spoken over us in Jesus' name. And I break the power of every word of death, word of iniquity, curse, assignment spoken over us in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we bless all those who curse us with with, uh, Christian character, with salvation, with the truth that sets them free in Jesus' name. You know, God tells fathers to train up their children in the way they should go. And the word fathers usually means the father figure in a home, but it could be the mother in a home. It means mothers and fathers. If there's no father in the home, it would certainly be the mother. And so it said it tells uh, in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. That means train your children up, instruct them, guide them, uh, teach them the word of God. Uh, fathers are to um, nourish children, to feed them, protect them. Watch over them, lead them, guide them, affirm them, correct them, um, value them, talk with them, pray with them, love them. Uh, and, you know, having these feelings of being brokenhearted, battered, bruised, and feeling worthless, basically they come in through the failure of the parents to obey God's word in training up their children also through the victimization, I'm sorry, I can't say that word, victimization of incorrect parenting. Their children from emotional, physical, mental, sexual, spiritual abuse. And what's so sad is many times the abuse comes from the parents of the very perpetrators of these things. Uh, I heard the other day that 70% of, of children that are sexually molested are uh, molested by family members or a close friend of the family, someone they know very well, a friend. And a person who's been victimized by life is a a sufferer. Uh, A person that's been victimized very often is a doormat for people. People take advantage of them. Uh, Everybody victimizes them, and there's always a perpetrator in their life to victimize them. And if you're a person who feels this way, Um, I can tell you that you're not hopeless and you're not worthless, that Jesus Christ died for you and he died for me. The scripture says in in John 3.16, and you're all familiar with the scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And, of course, the, the, the word believe there doesn't just mean believe with your head because the Bible says that the demons... And Satan believes uh, probably more than we do. But it, the word that word believe means to submit yourself wholeheartedly to. It means, it means to obey. And recently God gave me a revelation about, you know, you've heard the scripture in James that faith without works is dead. It's really your works are just obedience. You know, Abraham had faith and God told him to take his only son up the mountain and put a knife to him, and of course he told his servant, "My son and I are going up to the up the mountain to worship." So it was an act of worship, and he said, "We'll return because God had told him that he would be the father of many nations, and he believed God." Now, if Abraham said, "I have faith, but I don't go up the mountain," uh, I have faith, but I'm not going to take my only son up the mountain. His he would have no works. James said that Abraham was. Um, justified by his works 
and his works were taking his only son up the mountain, which really was obedience. And so faith and obedience really are the same. So you could say faith without obedience is worthless. And so we can say we have faith, but uh, do we really have it? The other day, God really showed me this. I had decided I've had some eye problems, and it's been difficult for me to read a paper Bible. I can read online Bible, but read paper Bible, it's just not the same. And I just decided the other day that I was going to read the word if it was just one word an hour. And praise God, he's let me read like three chapters a day, which has been very, very difficult. But God, it's amazing what God has shown me through these just these few weeks that I've been doing this. But what I saw was that I had decided to read the Bible. And of course, that was been, if I could give you my greatest desire on this, on this whole earth, And it wouldn't be money, it wouldn't be fame, it wouldn't be fortune. But if I could have one desire, the main desire that I would seek, the first desire I would seek would be that I'd be able to read my Bible again. And so what what the Lord showed me through this was uh, I can say God's going to heal my eyes, but my works would be reading the word. And God's let me do that. And it's been difficult, but I believe that the Bible says he sent his word to heal me, and I believe that that will be my works, proving my faith in this particular area. And I hope that blesses you like it's blessed me. We always think of, uh, you know, we don't, you know, salvation is totally by, by God's grace. You don't obey to be saved. You obey because you are. Obedience is a fruit of salvation, which is our faith, which is the works is lining our life with the word of God. And the more we do that, the more deliverance we'll have. And so to you who feel battered and brokenhearted and bruised and feeling worthless, can I tell you, you're not worthless, nor are you hopeless, because Jesus died for you. Romans 5, 8 says, For God commended his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. When we were still sinners, he died for us. He loved us. And after, you know, the story of, of Jesus, when he went into the wilderness and he was tempted 40 days and nights, he went, God carried him out into the wilderness and Satan tempted him and Satan said, just bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus rebuked him and said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, someone may think you're a fanatic if you do that, but let me tell you something. God says you will live by the word of God. You won't really, or you won't live. And so we need to align ourselves with the word of God. And so after he was tempted in the wilderness, the Bible says that his ministry began. And in Luke 4, 17, it says, and the book of this book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Now, for those of you who don't believe the Old Testament is for today, Jesus read from the book of Isaiah. The New Testament had not even been written, and the disciples, they taught out of the Old Testament. They didn't even teach out of the New because the New had never been written. And so this is what Jesus read. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and that poor is the broken down, the bruised, the afflicted, the needy, the people that are materially poor. It's to everyone who's got a need. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Hey, hallelujah. I say glory to God. He uh, has 
one of the reasons he's come is to recover the sight of the blind, of the eyes of the blind, and I'm going to claim that, or, and to free those who are oppressed. A person that feels bruised, battered, brokenhearted, wounded, hopeless, worthless, is oppressed, oppressed by the devil. Jesus said that he's come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He doesn't want us to live in that beat down, overcome, overrun, overwhelmed state. Luke uh, 419 says, and the purpose that Jesus came was to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then that passage uh, in Luke 4, 18 and 19 was taken right out of uh, the book of Isaiah uh, 61, 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Do you feel afflicted? He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Is your heart broken? Uh, To proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. You know, when we need deliverance, when we're overcome, overwhelmed, you know, I've never been battered or bruised. I've I've been brokenhearted. But let me tell you something. I've gotten much deliverance and freedom over the years from the areas of my life where I had to realign myself with the word of God. You know, James 4, 7 gives you the key to deliverance. It's just not some kind of Hollywood hokey thing. It's James 4, 7, give yourself to God and resist the devil and he has to flee. In Isaiah 61, 2, he says to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And we just read that out of Isaiah. I mean, out of Luke, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Do you need comforted? You know, we go to other things for comfort. We go to food. We go to helping ourselves. Uh, We turn to all of these things. But God says his purpose is to comfort all of you who mourn and to grant those who mourn in Zion, that's the church house, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, that they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he he may be glorified, that they will rebuild the ancient ruins. And let me tell you something. Our lives are in ruins because of the generational iniquities of the forefathers. The scripture says in Exodus 15, the sins of the fathers, children to the third and fourth generation. And so he says, so after deliverance, we're going to rebuild the ancient ruins. And in deliverance, you rebuild the things that have been torn down. It says they will raise up the former foundations, devastations, and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And so, you know, in uh, I believe it's Matthew 5, Jesus said, let your light so, so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify my Father who's in heaven. And then he said, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. So here he's calling us a city. So these cities, our cities, our lives have been torn down by the former devastations of many generations. And so that's what deliverance does is rebuild the former devastations. You know, in the Old Testament, the wall of Jerusalem was surrounded. uh, uh, Jerusalem had a wall that surrounded it and it got torn down. And then in Nehemiah, Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And the wall of Jerusalem is basically representative of our our um, soul uh, that's been torn down, our personality that's been torn down, things that have been torn down in our lives. And so deliverance is just re- rebuilding the spiritual wall of Jerusalem in our lives. Uh, Isaiah 61.5 says foreigners will 
will stand and pasture your flocks, and foreigners will be your farmers and your vine dressers. In other words, that's a picture of prosperity that comes whenever we align our life with the word and we get deliverance. It says, but you will be called the priest of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. In other words, God's going to use you. You will eat the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. And instead of your shame, you will have a double portion. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice, and I hate robbery in the burnt offering. And I will faithfully give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. Then their offspring will be known among the nations and their descendants in the, in the midst of peoples and all of them will recognize them because they are the offspring whom the Lord has blessed. Now this is a promise to our children. Many of you are praying for your children. A lot of things your children are doing are the very things that you did. And so you're reaping what you've sown. And I've discovered that when I see something in my children's life, I ask God, did I do that? And then I ask God to forgive me, and that breaks something in the spirit realm. And so here's a promise. And, you know, uh, 45 years ago, the Lord gave me this promise for my children. And I have a son who's my pastor, and he is uh, – 57 or 58 years old, I forgot, 50, no, I'm taking it back, he's 59 years old, and um, I've seen God fulfill this, I had a granddaughter that spoke to the state legislator last last week, all of these children, my grandchildren, my children are godly, and God gave me this promise, and I've hang, hung on to this, you know, I had a son that died of AIDS in 19... Um, uh, let's see, 1989, he had lived a homosexual lifestyle. And uh, in my 20 years of praying for him, all that I went through with him, I prayed that Lord, the Lord would not let another child conceive in my bloodline that, was, was not, uh, that didn't love him. And praise God that my son that died came to know the Lord on his deathbed. And I told this doctor, I said, you know, I don't have much a confidence in deathbed commitments. And he said, Oh, I do. He said, I've seen people, um, I've seen people get meaner that are dying, get meaner and meaner and meaner. And it encouraged me because my son got sweeter and sweeter and sweeter and even more thoughtful the day he died. I asked him the day before he died, if, if anything hurt him. And he said, no mom. And that I had been encouraged to get him, get morphine because I was told that, homosexuals with AIDS die such a tormented death that they have to have um, morphine um, to and even be tied to the bed. And I asked my son the day before he died, son, does anything hurt you? And he said, no, mom, I poured all that morphine down the toilet. He was literally rotting. Um, his body was just emaciated. Um, he should have been in terrible pain, but he wasn't in any pain, and um, which was miraculous. He died in total peace. And uh, I know he's in heaven. What I went through with that son, I said, Lord, don't let another ungodly seed uh, conceive in my bloodline. And God gave me this promise for my for my grandchildren and my son. They are tremendous prayers. They're they're 
Anyway, they're just outstanding, and I can say this because of this promise. God said that he will cause your descendants to be known among the nations as the children whom the Lord has blessed. So hold on to that. But, you know, we've got to get ourselves fixed. And over the years, as I've, God has taught me principles of deliverance, I've done self-deliverance. I've broke curses off my grandchildren, off my children. Uh, and I just praise God that I see the fruit of it. Are they perfect? No, they're not perfect. But let me tell you, when you pray for children that are, um, the oldest one's 33. My son is almost 60. When you pray for them for 45 years, can I tell you it's a done deal? And I encourage those of you who have children or don't have children or haven't got your have grandchildren or haven't gotten married and doesn't don't have children, begin to pray for your children right now. Begin to ask God to give you godly seed. If you're not married, ask God to give you a godly mate and don't compromise and settle for less. But God says that your offspring will be known among the nations as the children whom the Lord's blessed. He tells you that your um uh, that the children of the righteous are blessed. The children of the righteous will be delivered. The loving kindness of the Lord goes to the thousandth generation of those who keep covenant with him and remember his precepts to do them. Now, this is all as God begins to fix you and fix us, then we see the fruit of it in, the, in our children's lives. Am I fixed? No, I'm still getting delivered. Christian since 1963, and I'm getting deliverance of something every day. When I see something that I did wrong or something that I should have done or didn't do or did did something I did and shouldn't have done, I ask God to forgive me because it's a, it's a, this is how you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When I have a problem, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this problem? How did it get there? What, what is, what's, what's the reason for this? What do you want me to do, Lord? And I begin to repent, and I encourage you to do that. And so we're all a work in progress. We're all work. Actually, our cartons are worth nothing. But let me tell you something. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ lives in you, and you have the King of Kings living in you. And as he is, so are you in the world. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It says in Isaiah 61.10, God says, I'll rejoice greatly in the Lord my God. My soul will exult in my God, for he has clothed me with robes of righteousness. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For the earth brings forth its sprouts. Now you've been talking, if you've been listening to my teaching, that you're a spiritual garden, and you're the earth. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says you're a building, you're a house, and you're a field. Mark 4, Luke 8, Matthew 13 says your soil. So it says, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as a garden causes the, the things sown in it to spring up, the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before the nations. So I can say hallelujah. So Jesus died at Calvary um, that you might live an overcoming life and his grace is sufficient to get you there. And, you know, this message really came in um, the other day. I was talking to a lady, a couple of ladies, actually, and I guess it was in God's season for my life for him to show me this. 
But I always tell people, I, I first said to her, you know, you just need to make a sin list because there was so many things wrong with her life, and I'm not judging her. And all of a sudden, I just saw how, that she was brokenhearted, bruised, battered, and felt worthless. She felt so bad that she wasn't even good enough for God to help. And so all of a sudden, God gave me such compassion. You know, I grew up with um, in a stable home. Not perfect. My mother and daddy were not perfect, but they were good people. They loved each other. They loved their kids. They protected us. They they provided for us. Um, I can remember a time when I was a kid, we, we didn't even have furniture. We had apple crates, and a mattress was on the floor. It was always clean, but our mattress was on the floor. I remember another time our bathtub was in a closet. So, I mean, I knew what it was like to live with nothing, hardly, but my mother and but my mother and father, they never lied to us. They told us the truth. Uh, maybe I didn't have as many spankings as I needed, but uh, my parents always corrected us, and they loved us, and they valued us, and my parents uh, later became very wealthy. Uh, they started out hardly with nothing, and ended up, you know, having a, a propane gas company here in Texas. And um, so I know what it's like. I know what it's like, you know, to um, have an apple, have apple crates to sit on. And there's nothing wrong with that. But anyway, my parents were always there to provide for us. And no matter how busy they were, you know, we, we always lived next door. And I remember once we had a, uh, we, we lived upstairs and we had a help yourself laundry. Another time we had a grocery store and we lived in back of it. And then we moved next door. And anyway, so I grew up like that, always close to my parents. They never left us. They were always there. Daddy was always home at night. I always felt safe. I always felt loved. And, um, and anyway, no matter how busy they were, they always had time for us. They always had time to stop what they were doing. I remember one time my daddy was under a gas truck working on it and I needed something and he just wheeled out one of those little things and he met my needs and wheeled himself back in. And that's really how I grew up. They weren't perfect, but they gave me a good concept of God. You know, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And when you, when you grow up that way, maybe because you had such a good life, you lack the compassion that you need to have. And so when this lady called me, all of a sudden, my heart was filled with compassion. And basically, this is where this message came from. It's just out of what God showed me and the compassion that he gave me. Sometimes, you know, when you don't have a... you, The scripture says you go through things that you might help others that go through the same things. And so, you know, I know I've gone through divorce and I've gone through a lot of things. I've gone through a lot of suffering. But I praise God that in the midst of it, God was there to comfort me, and he was there to help me. And so uh, I really feel like that what I learned that day when I talked to that lady really has changed my life and changed my ministry and the way that I see things. I still tell tell people they need to repent, but it's kind of like people that are brokenhearted, bruised, battered, feel worthless. It's kind of like a bunch of bullies are beating up on them, and they just need somebody to come and not just tell them what they need to do, but just lift off uh, the burdens of, of their life. And so it's my prayer that God will use this message to really encourage you that your life's not hopeless and that you're not worthless. 
Isaiah 66, 12 says, For thus says the Lord, I'll extend peace to her like a river. Now, in Isaiah 66, 12, this is another scripture. If you're, if you're listening to the message and you can read along with me in the Amplified Bible, one of the greatest or the most special pictures that I have of myself was when I was about three years old, my daddy was holding me on his hip. And so this is when it really gave me an understanding of this scripture in Isaiah 66, 12. It says, for thus says the Lord, and this is the Amplified, I will extend peace to her like a river and, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream. Then you will be nursed, which is a picture of nurture. Then you will be carried on the hip, on her hip. And here it's referring to God as her. Um, and really that's El Shaddai. And you'll be carried with, carried on her hip and trotted, which means lovingly bounced up and down on her, God's maternal knees. And so he comes as El Shaddai, the many-breasted God. He comes as the nurturing God. And so in ministry, and I, I pray that God reminds me at the end of this message to ask God to, you to ask God to pick you up on his hip. But in ministry, when we minister to people one by one, sometimes when a person's never been loved or nurtured, I always say, lift your hands to heaven. And you know how a little child says, daddy, pick me up or mama, pick me up. Lift your hands to heaven and say, God, would you pick me up on your hip? But in this scripture, God is saying he wants to pick you up on his hip and trotted you, which means lovingly bounce you up and down on his God's, her God's maternal knees. And that's what, and actually people actually feel God picking them up. You know, when you've been battered, bruised, wounded, and you didn't grow up uh, with a mom and dad that loved you, nurtured you, protected you, and took care of you, maybe you had to train yourself. Nobody's ever carried you on the hip. You know, I remember once a, a lady called me, and she's, she was a pastor, and she said, I'm getting ready to have to have hip surgery. She said, do you have any insight? And I said, um, I said, did your mother and daddy, I said, did you, when you were growing up, I said, did, your, did you have to be the mama? Did you have to be the daddy? Did you have to carry your brothers and sisters on the hip? And she said, yeah, how did you know that? And I said, well, the Spirit of God just shared that with me. And I said, and, I said, and now you, you're a pastor and you're carrying the whole congregation on your hip. You see, if you're trained up to carry everybody on your hip in the spirit realm, they're still on your hip through a soul tie. Because a little child misses their their childhood and they're bitter because they miss their childhood because they're thrown. They don't want to be. They want somebody to take care of them. But they're thrown into a role of rebellion that they never asked to be in and bitter toward, they, toward the fact that they missed their childhood because their parents violated the word of God in training them up. And I said, and now you're a pastor. You've been trained up to carry people on your hip, and now you're a pastor, and you're carrying your whole congregation on the hip. She said, you don't have to pray for me. I'm already healed. You see the truth set her free. And so hip problems really come in because we were never carried on the hip, we were, which is symbolic of being nurtured and cared for by your parents. Psalms 91 says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high God will abide under the shadow and protection of the almighty. And so if you picture God's uh, refuge like a big umbrella, and so when we're in God's, under God's refuge, under his umbrella, um, 
we're protected and we step outside of God's umbrella and it's out there. It says, um, he dwells in the secret place of the most high God will abide in the shadow and protection of the almighty. Uh, for our, it, it talks about, um, he will deliver you from the snare of the trapper, from the noisome pestilence, for the arrow that flies by day. So outside of that umbrella is where the arrow, Satan's arrows are flying. That Satan's realm is outside that umbrella. And so when we when we grow when we're um, when we grow up and we're not, our parents are not under that umbrella of protection. Our, our parents are not dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. Then. They're outside of God's umbrella because of their sin, because of the generational iniquities of forefathers. And so most people were just born outside of God's refuge. And so, you know, my parents didn't take me to church and they didn't pray for me. They taught me about God. So they weren't, they were not perfect. And in areas, even though I always was grew up protected because my parents were as obedient to the truth as they knew how to be, um, you know, I didn't grow up. There was no alcohol in our home, no, no drugs, no alcohol, uh, no fighting. My mother and father loved each other. Um, I didn't grow up in strife or anything like that. But even though my parents, my daddy was not being the spirit, spiritual leader. I mean, he never prayed for, prayed. He taught me about Jesus, but he never prayed for us. But in areas, basically, I was under God's refuge in lots of areas. But there were some other areas I was outside of God's refuge, and that's the areas like addictions, for example. There was uh, That was in our bloodline, alcoholism. Even though my parents didn't drink, that was a generational curse. And and so I didn't, I didn't have problems with alcohol, but um, I had problems with food. And when I was about 14 or 13 years old, my mother took me to a diet pill doctor, and he got me addicted to diet pills because I was overweight. You see, so outside of there, outside of God's refuge in that particular area. So um, whenever you're getting hit in an area, it means that something is sticking out, <laughs> if that makes sense. But anyway, so most people were just born outside of God's refuge completely. And so because of the way you grew up, you were born outside of God's refuge because of the generational iniquities of the forefathers, because your parents weren't walking uh, uprightly before the Lord. Proverbs 18:10 says, "The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous can run into it and are safe." Now, at my seminars, if I'm, when I'm doing this in person, and I encourage you to come to some of our meetings, come to Hot Springs, Arkansas, Lake Hamilton Bible Camp, because we have prayer teams that pray for people um, every morning, and you get tremendous deliverance there. Um, and so when when it's in person, in fact, you can do this when you, when you quit listening. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's more real than the building you're in. And so I have people run, actually run into God's refuge, even though you can't see it with the physical eyes. Because it says that you can run into God's refuge and be safe. It's a picture of repentance coming under the control of the Holy Spirit and just running into God's refuge. Even though you can't see it with a human eye, it's as real as the the building you're in. And perhaps you feel like you're not righteous, you're not good enough, you're not worth it, you're not worth it. You've just got so much shame that you don't think God even wants to help you. Well, that's a lie. Second Corinthians five one says, 
he made him, that's Jesus, no, who knew no sin, to be made sin for you, <clears throat> that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, <clears throat> Philippians 1, 6 says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who's begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> so hallelujah, you and I are righteous because if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, and I don't mean just believing with your head, I mean a born-again believer, then the King of Kings lives in you. Colossians one twenty-seven says, in you is the hope of glory. And you know what? Um, you're worth what you contain. I'm worth what I contain. My carton's not worth very much, and your carton's not worth very much, but we're worth who we contain, and we contain the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one that is the victor, the one that overcame the world that we might overcome. And if you're, you know, for example, if you have a Bible that's worth $15, and you put a, if there was such a thing as a million-dollar bill, you put a million-dollar bill in that Bible, the Bible would be worth a million dollars and $15 or whatever that's it. About like what our curtains, carton's worth, about $15. But we're, we are righteous because the King of Kings lives in us. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And uh, the same Jesus that lived in Billy Graham lives in you. The same Jesus that lived in um, Dwight Moody lives in you. The same Jesus that lived in Charles Spurgeon lives in you. The same Jesus that lives in any great Christian you've ever known, any Christian that you know, lives in you, lives in me. And so our cartons are not worth very much, but the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, wants to perfect in us what's imperfect. And if you're like me, you've got a lot of things that are imperfect. <laughs> I've been on this walk of deliverance since I learned about it, probably in 19... Um, Let's see, 1972, 82, I don't remember. I learned about deliverance, and I've been doing deliverance, self-deliverance on myself <coughs> ever since. In fact, if you go on our website, jerrymcgee.com, and that's all lowercase, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com, um, I have a little booklet that I wrote that's on self-deliverance. And basically, it's just James 4, 7, give yourself to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. And I've been getting deliverance ever since I learned about deliverance. And I've not had many people pray for me. Basically, I've learned that the minute I align my life with the Word of God, demons have to go. And I promise you that if you're, um, if you surrender to God as much as you know how, then I guarantee you that you will fulfill the purpose of your creation. You won't be worthless. In fact, the Bible says, whoever abides in him does not sin. And so if you see God as the potter, and if you've ever watched a potter and work with clay, the potter does all the work. All the clay does is rest on the potter's wheel. And I'm, full, I'm a clay full of junk, and you're a clay full of junk. And if you put your junky clay on the potter's wheel, which is a picture of surrender, it's a picture of letting, coming under God's control, it's a picture of taking your junky clay and just, God, I, from now on, I'm your, I'm your problem. I give myself to you 100%. I get on the potter's wheel, and the potter's job is to take the, the junk out of your life, 
the potter's job is to fashion you, shape you, mold you, make you, uh, fire you. You know, he he fires the clay after he shapes it. He puts water on it to make it pliable. And God is going to, God will cause you to be the, the vessel that he created for you to be. And you won't miss God. You cannot miss God when you yield to the potter. But it's going to take a yieldedness. You can't be outside the potter's wheel and expect God to do anything. And, you know, there's reasons why people don't go to the potter. Because if you grew up and you have a poor image of God because your mothers and fathers gave you a poor image of God, then you believe they give you a poor image because parents model for us a picture of what God's like. And if your parents lied to you, then you believe the lie that God's a liar. If your parents didn't love you, you believe a lie that God doesn't love you. If your parents wouldn't help you, then you believe a lie that God won't help you. If your parents didn't value you, the lie is God won't value, doesn't value you. If your parents rejected you, the lie is God rejects me too. If your parents never instructed you, the lie is God's not going to instruct me either. So you see, for me to go to God and have a right perspective i'm going to have to forgive my mother and father for every little negative thing that violated the word of god in my training up and then i have to come against the lie that god's the same way you see that's why we faint and if you've uh, listened to this program i mean you can go to dorothy um, carruthers uh, blog talk radio and, and go to her archives and I ta- there's a message that I've done on how you see God. And you need to get deliverance. You need to listen to that and get deliverance on, on how you see God. Because we, we want to, there's another one on we faint and give up. We, we faint, give up, and quit. And if we're married, want to divorce every time we have a problem. And that's a fainting spirit. You can also listen to that. And uh, but we faint because we have a poor image of God. We we believe that God's like our mother and father, and He isn't. And we'll always faint, give up, quit, languish when we don't go to God. And so if we get on the Potter's wheel, uh, you will 100% uh, live up to what God created you to be. And that's that's the, should be the purpose of your life is wanting to be what God created you to be. And uh, the Bible says you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works that he's prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Psalms 139 says that he saw you when you were in your mother's womb and that all your days were planned before you were even born. And you may say, well, if my days were planned, I remember a friend, a friend of mine one time in, in, a, in a Sunday school class, we were talking about God giving us guardian angels. She said, I don't believe that. She said, if he did, he gave me a puny one. And she was bitter toward her path and had arthritis in her feet. And so if you're bitter towards your path, one of the causes of, of arthritis in your feet is, is you're bitter toward, you feel like you've, you've been shortchanged in life, but that's, that's a lie. So we just have to yield to the potter. And we, you know, most of us, uh, if you grew up with parents that loved you based on your performance, then you get saved and you think God wants you to turn the potter's wheel. He doesn't. He wants you to get on it. The clay only has one job, yield to the potter. Potter does everything else. And so you see a legalistic person is a person that's trying to do it himself, just has a religious spirit. Um, if you're a person that has felt brokenhearted, bettered, bruised, and worthless, it comes in uh, when we were misguided instead of guided, hated instead of loved, 
rejected instead of accepted, devalued instead of being valued, misunderstood instead of being understood, trained up in the way we shouldn't go instead of the the way we should go, uh, unprotected when we should have been protected, uh, neglected when we should have been nurtured, cursed when we should have been blessed, torn down instead of being built up, uh, ignored when we should have been acknowledged, devalued instead of being valued. And a person who feels this way, who feels brokenhearted, battered, bruised, and worthless, can have some, if not all, of these symptoms. And these are just few of the symptoms. You can you will be a person who's constantly putting yourself down or maybe putting other people down, um, or be sad and joyless, uh, have an unloving spirit, which you you hate yourself because you think you're no good, self-hatred, self-bitterness, unforgiveness of self, self-rejection. And there's also a teaching on Dorothy's um, archives on um, an unloving spirit which is self-hatred, self-bitterness, unforgiveness of self. It's a a lying demon that nitpicks you 24-7. And even though I grew up in a good home, I had that demon my whole life tormenting me. And the one I had would be, it nitpicks you 24-7. The one I had was, it would say, fat, 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 fat. And if you have an unloving spirit, which most people do, it's really an antichrist spirit. It's really a demon that we let, we put up with that demon because we think it's us talking to us, but it's really not us. It's a demon. And when I realized that that was a demon, and I've had I've been delivered from many, many demons, um, when I realized that was a demon, that spirit took a hike. And I tell you, I don't I don't live under the torment I did most of my life. Person that feels this way will blame other people in other situations for their feelings of misery. They can be in denial to mask over their feelings of inadequacy or feelings of uh, unworthlessness. Um, or they can be too introspecting, introspective, which causes them to tear their self down 24-7 and live in depression and be discouraged. Um, or they may feel that they've been shortchanged by life and, I've just, as I said, could have arthritis in their feet even because they're bitter toward their path. Uh, feel powerless or helpless to change their circumstances. And, of course, we are helpless to change without God. You know, I grew up believing my parents taught me the Lord helped those that helped themselves, which was was certainly not the truth. And uh, I couldn't help myself, and I felt guilty. And uh, when I realized one day that God helps those that, that admit they're helpless, it changed my life. And I, I didn't have to live under the guilt of not being able to change myself. You can never change yourself. The only way you can change yourself is give yourself up to God the potter, and he'll do the rest. The thing is we compare ourselves to other people, and we always come up short. The scripture says that if we measure ourselves by ourselves and compare ourselves with others, that we're not wise. Uh, we think others are purposely trying to hurt us, a person that is battered, abused, bruised, brokenhearted, worthless, uh, may enjoy sharing their tragic stories with others. Many people have an attention-getting spirit, uh, want to manipulate others, live in self-pity or have a martyr spirit. And even when things go well, they can still find something to complain about. 
and I encourage you to read First Corinthians 10, chapter 1, where it talks about how the serpents were sent on the children of Israel because they complained and they were acting immorally and full of idolatry. And the scripture goes on to say, be careful. This is written for our instructions, believers' instructions. Uh, be careful if you think you stand, lest you fall. And so when we complain and murmur, we, we usher in the presence of demons. If we live in an atmosphere of complaining, moaning, groaning, griping, grumbling, then we are living in the presence of demons. And God says that if God inhabits our praises, who do you think inhabits our moans and groans? A person who feels this way may be overcome instead of feeling that seeing that Jesus Christ overcame at Calvary that they might overcome. Um, they sabotage themselves with words and you know i never felt battered bruised but i'm telling you i have been sabotaged with my own mouth and uh, most people don't realize that our that we set on fire the course of our life with our words the scripture says that when we um don't guard our words when we guard our words we we uh, save our soul from troubles death and life were the power of the tongue it says in, in proverbs as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And what we think in our heart comes out our mouth. Because evil thoughts, according to Matthew uh, 15, comes out of our mouth. They have such a fear of what's going on in the world and feel like it's up to them to protect themselves. And it, that's where a lot of the fear comes in today is because if you weren't protected, then the lies, God's not going to protect you either. And you see what goes on in the world. And, it, and you're afraid because you think it's up to you to take care of yourself. Let me tell you, no, it's not up to you. God says that he's your refuge. He's your strength. He's a very present help in time of trouble. And if your ways please him, it makes even your enemies to be at peace with you. That's uh, what the word says in Proverbs. I believe it's Proverbs 16, 8, I believe. And because of many sore places down in your heart, uh, instead of responding out of the Holy Spirit, you get your button pushed all the time, just like a bunch of raw places down in your heart. And God lets you go through things that he might uh, conform you into his image so you can respond out of the Holy Spirit and not get your button pushed. A person that feels this way uh, about himself may get upset when he's, uh, somebody gives him constructive criticism because he's been beat down all of his life and he don't want to hear anymore, and that's understandable. They may believe that other people are better off than them. They tend to blame the people they love because of their of how they feel. They see their problems as insurmountable and catastrophic, and they blow them out of proportion. Uh, they don't take sometimes don't take a responsibility for their happiness, failing to realize that God has given us a choice. Deuteronomy thirty says. God says, today I've set before you life and death, blessings or curses, so therefore choose life. So it's a choice. And the good news is that God does all things um, in his time. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight because we couldn't, if we had to deal with everything that was wrong with us, uh, we couldn't take it. So one problem's enough. And so God wants to make everything new in us, everything that's imperfect, he wants to perfect as he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And that's no matter how great you grew up or how 
poorly you grew up or what you went through growing up. It's a step-by-step process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a walk of deliverance. I told one girl who'd been satanically ritually abused by every, and went through every torture imaginable. It's like she was in a dark tunnel. I said, look, there's light in the he- light ahead. And if you, you know, you don't worry about step a thousand if you haven't done step one. It's like you got to do step one, and after step one, you do step two, and then step three. And let me tell you something, there's light up ahead. And it's a walk of working out your salvation in fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 says, So then, my brethren, my beloved brethren, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my absence, but now in my salvation with fear and trembling. And the word salvation there means deliverance from the molestation of the enemy. And we've all had areas of our life, no matter how good we grew up or how bad we grew up, where they, where we were being molested by demons. So what that means is to keep on repenting, to keep on aligning yourself with the word of God and give yourself to God and resist the devil. And the word says he has to flee. Now, here are some promises. Zechariah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save he will rejoice over your, you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Matthew six thirty four says, Do not be anxious about anything about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of his own. Sufficient for each day is trouble. In other words, God's got grace for you each day to deal with the trouble. And before he says that in Matthew six thirty three, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto him. You know, a person that's battered, bruised, wounded, they're always concerned about their wounds, which is understandable. But God says if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto him. And so that's everything we need for life, godliness, and happiness. But we first have to seek God first. You know, we say, well, I seek God first. Well, if we sought God first, we wouldn't be stressed out. We wouldn't get, be getting angry. We wouldn't be fearful. We'd be trusting God to take care of everything. But things that push our button, the things that vex us, the things that stress us out, are it's just all idolatry. And we have to let it all go. John uh, fourteen twenty seven, Jesus said, My peace I have given you, not as the world gives you, but let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Psalms 55, 22 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you, and he will never permit the righteous to be to be moved or to be shaken, is what that means. Psalms 9 says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in, in times of trouble. Those who know, uh, Psalms 34.10 says, those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And, and, you know, he says in another place, and I don't have the reference, God says, you will find me when you seek for me with your whole heart. That means a heart free of idols. Psalms 32, verse 7 and 8 says, you're my hiding place. Now, you can't see God's hiding place with a human eye. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. So that's his purpose. 
Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you, fail you, or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And God doesn't say that he's going to take away all your pain and suffering in one day um, and what you're dealing with. But he does give you comfort in the things you go through. And, you know, I've gone through, had two husbands leave me. Uh, I had a son die of AIDS. And I can tell you in the midst of it, God gave me comfort. And I could say I was the happiest person in the world in the midst of this, except, of course, when my husband left, he broke my heart. But, you know, I see now... And the reason he said he left me, and I know, was that he thought I was too religious. And probably that wasn't the only reason, but that's what he said. I probably wasn't an easy person to live with. And so, I mean, I'm I'm wanting to take accountability. I was so full of pride. And uh, I can look back and see so many things I did wrong. But his his reason for leaving me, my first husband who left me with two little boys, was that I was too religious. And uh, and I'm when I got saved, I, I was sold out to God, even though I was a mess in so many areas. But I can tell you, in the midst of all of it, after I got over the broken heart, I see now, if I'd have had my request, I wouldn't be doing what I really. Uh, this is the the light of my heart is to be serving God. And had I been had that man stayed, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. So, you know, God has a plan, and you can look back, and I had one person tell me, I said to one person, I can honestly say that everything I've gone through has worked for my good. Because God says everything, 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 everything works together for your good when you love the Lord and you're fitting into his plans. That's what the old living Bible said. And I told this man, I said, I can honestly say that everything I've gone through has worked for my good. And he said, not me. Everything I've gone through has ruined me. You know, you're going to either get bitter or better by the things you go through and bitterness will kill you. I want to get better. And I can honestly say that God has used all of my circumstances has worked it for my good. I remember a neighbor once said to me, Jerry, this is when my husband had just left and uh, my son had just died of AIDS. She said, Jerry, you just have you just have more problems. And I, I got before the Lord. I said, Lord, am I deceived? I'm so happy. I feel so much peace. Am I deceived? Is there something I'm not seeing here? Anyway, shortly after that, I went up to visit my grandchildren up in Maine, and I was reading the Bible to to them. And it came to this scripture in Proverbs 3 that said, All of his paths are pleasant. And all his ways are ways of peace. And I thought, oh, God, I'm not crazy. I'm I'm not deceived. I'm happy because of you, Lord, not because of my circumstances. But in the midst of all of that, I can say I had the peace that passeth all understanding. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved or shaken. Psalms 46, 1, God is your refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Isaiah 49, 13 says, sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, in singing, 
for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. On his afflicted, Deuteronomy 31, 8 says, it is the Lord who goes before you and he will not leave you, fail you, or forsake you. I think I've already read that. Psalms 9, 9, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you for you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And, of course, we seek him when we seek with him with our whole heart and not all the, the other things we're seeking that makes us mad or makes us fearful or causes us to get depressed. Those are all idols. We have to lay that down. First John says, little children, flee from idols. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come to me all who... Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble, and you shall find rest for your soul. And, of course, you can't see the yoke with the human eye, but God's yoke brings you rest. And if you're living in a state of unrest, you've got the wrong yoke on your neck. God says, Come unto me if you labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And I just want to say this. What does the clay do on the potter's wheel? The clay rests on the potter's wheel. It's a picture of coming under his yoke. It's a picture of Romans 12:1 that says, Present your body to God as a living sacrifice and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Psalms 23:4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. Isaiah 53:5 it says, but God, Jesus, was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement of our peace fell upon him, and with his stripes were healed. Matthew twelve twenty says, A bruised reed he shall not break, and a smoking flax shall he shall not extinguish. In other words, you may feel like you're just an ember fixing to go out, but God says he will not extinguish you. Bless God. And so what do we need need to get free? Number one, we got to be born again. And I'm not talking about believing in Jesus with your head. I'm talking about an experience where God transforms your heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away and behold, all things become new. And if you want to see who's born again, read 1 John, 1 John um, 1, 1 John 2, and 1 John 3. I read it this morning, and it tells you who's born again. It says, if you say you have fellowship with God and you walk in darkness, you're, you don't know the God. The scripture says, if you don't love your brother, you don't know God. The scripture says, whoever practices sin is of the devil. And so read, if you want to know about being born again, read First John 1, 2, and 3. And there's other places, too. And then you need to forgive your parents for each thing. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer for everything I can think of. But anything you can think of that I don't uh, lead you in uh, shortly, then forgive them for that. You know, in deliverance, you you can generally say, I, gen- I forgive my mother and father. But in, to get delivered and inner heals, you got to specifically forgive each instant. And let me tell you something. It's going to take a lifetime. Sanctification takes a lifetime. Working out your salvation with fear and trembling takes a lifetime. And then recognize that deliverance is like peeling an onion. I remember years ago ministering to a girl who'd come out of Satanism, 
and um, every torture imaginable. And one day we were, I would pray for her and how the Lord showed me about peeling an onion is that she had a problem. She was bleeding from her rectum and her ears for about a year and a half. And so we would deal with, we'd ask the Lord to show us what was, what we need to pray for. And the Lord would show us something and she'd get delivered and the bleeding would stop and then it might stop for a week and then it'd come back. It didn't mean she didn't get delivered on the first time. It just meant God had something else. If she would have, if, if, if every time we asked the Lord, it'd be the same thing. I'd know she wasn't getting delivered, but it would be something different. And it took, uh, so we'd say, okay, Lord, ask the Lord to show you what, he, what you need to deal with next. The Lord would show her another ritual and she'd repent. And then she might quit bleeding for a month. And then it would come back and we'd say, okay, Lord, what do you want us to see now? And then the Lord would show her and we would deal with it. And then after a year and a half, she was totally healed. And that's how the Lord showed us. It was like peeling an onion. And I'm thankful for that experience. And then let go of your life. Do like Abraham did. Take every care, every fear, everything that makes you angry, everything that hurts you, take it all up the mountain and let it go. Let go of your life, Jesus said, that you might find it. And you will find him when you seek for him with your whole heart. That means a heart minus your idols. So as long as you're seeking other things that other things that are making you unhappy, you need to seek God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in Jesus' name. Okay, so Father, in the name of Jesus, um, I just in Jesus' name, just pray with me if you're if you can agree. Father, in the name of Jesus, I I need I want to be born again. If I'm not born again, I want to be born again. I receive you as my Savior and as my Lord. Father, I want to be born again. I want your Holy Spirit to possess my body. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I make a covenant with you to be your holy possession. Father, I pray you help me live pleases you in the name of Jesus. I forgive my mother and father for not training me up in the way I should go. I forgive them for not nurturing me. I forgive them for not loving me, not wanting me. I forgive them for abandoning me. I forgive my mother and father for not loving each other. I forgive them for divorce. I forgive them for alcohol and drugs and molestation. I forgive them for verbal abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. I forgive them for uh, spiritual abuse. I forgive my father for not being the spiritual high priest of the family. I forgive him for my parents for not communicating with me. I forgive them for not helping me. I forgive them that I had to be the mama or the daddy. I had to take care of my brothers and sisters. I had to take care of myself. I had to take care of my mother and father. Now, some of these things may not even apply to you, but it could apply to your grandparents, your generations before you. So just repent of them anyway. Father, I forgive my mother and father for not valuing me, not nurturing me. I forgive them for never telling me they love me. I forgive them for not protecting me. I forgive them for not light leading me or guiding me. I forgive them for not being there for me. I forgive them for hating me. I forgive them for rejecting me. I forgive them that they put me last. I forgive them for showing favoritism. I forgive them for working all the time and leaving me. I forgive them for abandoning me. I forgive them for illegitimately conceiving me. I forgive them for all the abuse I encountered growing up 
And Lord, I ask you that you show them with the days ahead specific things in the name of Jesus. Lord, forgive me for feeling like a failure, feeling worthless, brokenhearted, battered, beat up, feeling worthless. Forgive me for not realizing that Jesus Christ living in me, I have the King of Kings living in me, and that makes me worth something. Lord, I forgive my parents for not training me up in the way I should go. In the name of Jesus, I forgive them for sexually abusing me if they did, for allowing other people to molest me or abuse me. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I've been a sufferer. I forgive them for victimizing me. In the name of Jesus, I forgive them that they battered, abused me. I forgive them for physical abuse. Uh, Lord, I forgive them for not affirming me, making me listen worthless. I forgive them for cursing me instead of blessing me. Uh, Father, I I forgive them for, Lord, I just thank you that you want to bind up my broken heart, set me free, give me a garland instead of ashes, so all of joy instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Lord, that you want to make me an oak of righteousness, that you want to rebuild the farmer devastations of many generations. Father, thank you for my shame that you want to give me a double portion. Thank you that I'll be a royal diadem in your hand. Thank you that my children will be known among the nations as the children whom the Lord has blessed. Father, I thank you and praise you for the blessings that you have ahead of me. Thank you that you're going to, that you who have begun a good work in me will perform it into the day of the Lord Jesus. Lord, thank you that Christ in me is the hope of glory. Thank you that you live in me. Father, I, I, I ask you, Lord, to pick me up on your hip and lift your hand to heaven and ask God to pick you up on his hip. Lord, I ask you to pick every person up on your hip. On your hip. Extend peace to them like a river. Lord, I ask you to pick them up, put them on your hip, and trotted them. Lovingly bounce them up and down on your God's maternal knees. Father, I forgive my mother and father and forefathers that I was born outside of your refuge. Now, Lord, I bring every person that was born outside of your refuge, I bring them under your refuge. And, Lord, in the name of Jesus, uh, they, your, your name is a strong tower. They can run into it and be safe. Thank you and praise you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that Christ in me is the hope of glory. The same Jesus that lives in every great Christian that I've admired lives in me. And they and it's Jesus in anyone that makes us worth something. None of us are worth anything, Lord, but you died for us. You saw some worth in us. Thank you that you want to live in us and through us. And, Lord, I get on the potter's wheel. I yield my life to you 100%. I get on the potter's wheel. And when I fall off, Lord, by your grace, remind me, and I'll repent of my sin and get back on. And thank you that I'll fall off less and less. I forgive my parents for misguiding me instead of guiding me, uh, hating me instead of loving me, rejecting me instead of accepting me. I forgive them for devaluing me instead of valuing me, misunderstanding me instead of understanding me, uh, training me up in the way I shouldn't go instead of the way I should go, for not protecting me. I forgive them for neglecting me and not nurturing me. I forgive them for cursing me, and I break every word of death, word of iniquity, curse, assignment that was spoken over each person who's listening to this message in the name of Jesus. I forgive my parents for tearing me down instead of building me up. 
ignoring me instead of acknowledging me. Forgive me, Lord, for tearing myself down and tearing other people down. Forgive me for being sad and joyless and depressed. And, Lord, forgive me for hating myself, uh, rejecting myself, being holding unforgiveness toward myself. And, Lord, I ask you to I command this unloving, this demon that nitpicks me, that I, this voice that I thought was me talking to me, I command you out of me now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, this day I accept myself as your workmanship, fearfully and wonderfully made, and that you scheduled every day of my life where I was, before I was born. Forgive me for blaming other people for feeling miserable. Uh, forgive me for being in denial because I felt inadequate and worthless. And, Lord, I'm, I am inadequate, but you're adequate in me. Lord, forgive me for being introspective and living in depression and discouragement. Lord, forgive me for uh, thinking that you shortchanged me. Forgive me for being bitter toward my past. Forgive me for feeling powerless to help and change, Lord, believing that you can change others but not me. Forgive me for comparing myself to others. Forgive me for thinking others are better off than I am. Forgive me for um, in, forgive me for enjoying sharing my tragic story. Forgive me for being a martyr and having self-pity and then having attention-getting spirit. And, Lord, forgive me for murmuring, complaining, and griping. Forgive me for being overcome instead of seeing that you became, overcame for me that I might be an overcomer. Forgive me for moaning and groaning. Forgive me for sabotaging myself with my own negative words, cursing myself. Forgive me for expecting life to go bad instead of going good. Lord, I've been afraid in this world if everything's going on, and I believe the lie that, that I was going to have to take care of myself because my parents didn't take care of me, and that's a lie. I forgive my parents for that. Thank you that you said that if my ways please you, it makes even my enemies to be at peace with them, with me. And, Lord, thank you that you told me how my ways can be right because you said if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And, Lord, I ask you to heal all the sore places in every person's heart, all the button pushers, all the raw places, all the places that came in through letting the sun go down on their anger. Forgive them for not wanting to take instruction uh, getting angry forgive me for blaming attacking and cursing those I love and blaming them for how I feel forgive me for thinking my problems are insurmountable and catastrophic and blowing them out of proportion Lord I want to take accountability for my happiness you said you set before me death and life blessings and cursing Lord I choose life I choose blessings instead of cursing And thank you, Lord, that in your time, you said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you deliver us from out of them all. And, Lord, thank you that we're all a work in progress and our cartons are not worth anything, but you give us worth. Thank you that I don't have to be down on myself anymore because I can trust the King of Kings that lives in me. Show me how to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you for your promises, Lord. And, Lord, I come unto you because I labor and I'm heavy laden. And you said you'll give me rest. I take your yoke on my neck and lift your hand to heaven and say, Lord, I ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, to to bring down your yoke from heaven upon my neck as I yield to you. 
Forgive me for not seeking you with my whole heart. Forgive me for idolatry. I cast all my care on you because you care for me. And, Lord, I take all of these things that concern me, all my failures, all the things that make me angry, all the things that make me fearful, all the things that discourage me and hurt me. I take it up the mountain like Abraham took up Isaac. And, Lord, if if it glorify you the most for me to have these things or not have these things, or so be it. But, devil, you're bound from my life. How dare you touch anybody who's on God's hip, who's in God's hands. And I put my life in, in totally in God's hands, 100%. Lord, thank you that you will not uh, extinguish a burning flax. Thank you that you will not break a bruised reed, that you came to heal, to bind up the brokenhearted. In Jesus' name, Lord, I choose to let go of my life, just like Abraham chose to give up his life by taking his only son up the mountain. I take it all up the mountain, and I let it all go, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, I come against discouragement, depression. I come against, Lord, I bind up the broken heart. I press them out. I bandage them. I soften with oil. I give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy instead of morning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Father, in the name of Jesus, I command every demon that has them down to get off in Jesus' name. I command all the bullies off, every demon that is uh, suppressing them, holding them back, holding them down, uh, every demon that gives them a morbid view of life, go now in Jesus' name. All spirits that have caused them to be overcome, you have to go now in Jesus' name. All fainting spirits, you have to leave in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of hopelessness, despair, despondency, depression has to go in the name of Jesus. I break your power over every life in the name, power, blood, and by the authority of Jesus' name. I break the power of selfishness. I break the power of martyr spirits. Self-pity has to go in Jesus' name. I break the power of bitterness in the feet, bitterness toward the path. I break the power of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. I command you to go. Spirit of torture, torment has to go now in Jesus' name. Spirits of defeat and failure has to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit that causes them to be bowed down and broken has to go in Jesus' name. Father, I ask that your healing power flow through me, Jesus Christ in me, flow out now and touch and heal each person that hears this message. In the name, power, blood, and authority of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Give Jesus a praise. Thank him for all that he did. Thank you that he came to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captive free and recovery of sight to the blind. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do, what you've done, what you're going to do in the future. Thank you for the overcoming life that you have for each of us. In the name of Jesus. Well, if you need prayer, you can call in. 646-595-4789. And don't forget to press 1, and I'll be happy to pray for you. And I'll just wait a little bit, tell you about the ministry, and then if no one calls, then we'll be through. But you can write us at Post Office Box 1141, Abiding Life Ministries. And uh, we'll be sharing again on the 1st and the 2nd. Uh, first of the third Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. 
And um, you can go to our website, jerrymcgee.com. That's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com, all lowercase. And there's books and tapes and videos that you can listen to for free and some that you can order. Uh, You can see my son's testimony called Todd's Greatest Regret that was made 13 days before he died of AIDS. Uh, We have Duncanville meetings the first Saturday of each month. And it's at the Hilton Garden Inns at, in uh, Duncanville, Texas. And that's at Interstate um, Interstate 20 and Main Street, which is exit 463. I'll be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp in, this month in uh, April 18th through 21st. And you can go on to LakeHamiltonBibleCamp.com and get information. It's the best place I know of to get deliverance, and it's very inexpensive to go. I mean, they don't make any money off of you going. It's, I think uh, the rooms are very inexpensive. It's in Hot Springs, Arkansas. You can go to their website, LakeHamiltonBibleCamp.com. Also, there's there's hundreds of free CDs that you can listen to uh, by going to LakeHamilton.com and listen to their free CDs. And uh, if you'd like to schedule a meeting in your area, you can contact me at Jerry McGee at sbcglobal.net and there's some books I encourage you to read uh, to order there's one called clearing the land you can actually get deliverance it's got all the bible curses in it you can actually get deliverance just going through that breaking all the bible curses and there's prayers tells you how to pray and break them and um, anyway I hope you'll listen in again if you'd like to support the ministry we'd appreciate it you can also Send a gift online. It's your gifts that help us keep the ministry going. And um, also, the lady that sponsors this program, uh, you can send her a gift through D for Dorothy Churchy, C H U R C H Y, number one at Hot Springs. I'm sorry, at Hotmail.com. Anyway, I hope you'll listen in again the second, the third Tuesday of the month, or the fifth of the month from 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time. I hope you'll come to the meeting, and uh, be sure and and write me. I love to hear your testimonies. If if I can help you, you can email me, and I'll be glad to answer your emails. God bless you and keep you, and may the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you even more peace, victory in Jesus. Amen.